Rastabello, we're back. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. It's NFL week one football season. Oh, oh geez, <laughs> I see you're wearing your Cleveland Browns hoodie right now. Oh yeah, you got to, got to support. As, as much of a train wreck of a franchise as it is. Is this the year, Ross? No, this is, is this not the year. year? No. Is this what all the Clevelanders are saying right now? Is yes. This is the year? All the, all the Browns junkies are, of course, saying this is the year. They drink the Kool-Aid. I'm past that stage. I don't drink the Kool-Aid anymore. I don't think their coach, their GM, their owner, uh, their quarterback, I don't think any of them know what they're doing on the level of these top, the top organizations. So I don't drink the Kool-Aid anymore but I'm still super excited for tomorrow's game in the season. Yeah, so we're seeing the, um, the Cincinnati chili, the Skyline chili <laughs> memes coming out. I haven't seen them yet, but I, I, I'm gonna go home. I'll be on Twitter today. Everybody tomorrow. knows about the Cincinnati chili that's listening to this. I got the Cincinnati chili, put like some bullshit chili, some, some what is it, cinnamon chili on some spaghetti, and they call it Cincinnati chili, and then, and you know the memes are like, hey, how are you going to play football? You can't make pasta. You can't make pasta. You, make, you can't play football. And so this is the year the Cleveland Browns are actually going to go all the way. Agree. That, that's funny you bring up the chili thing and the Bengals because my uh, floor, Ohio State, my freshman year at Ohio State, our floor was like all rabid NFL football fans, but it was like half of us were from Cleveland and half of us were from Cincinnati, or Cleveland, can Northern, Northern Ohio. And, sure, sure. And half were from Cincinnati, and man, we talked nonstop shit. Even though basically back at that time, both teams sucked. Uh, <laughs> it was a passionate floor. NFL, NFL Sundays got heated. It's like, so I remember back in like, what was it, probably in the early 80s, my mom brought back like the, the, the Cincinnati chili mix, right, with the seasonings, and she mixed with the ground beef. And she put it over the, the spaghetti and then we put the cheddar cheese on top and they're like this is cincinnati chili and i was like this is shit <laughs> this is absolute <laughs> dog shit <laughs> oh man thank god we don't have no cincinnati people listening to this <laughs> well they, we, we might have a cincinnati person but it is dog shit man it's like <laughs> and people love it dude cincinnati people love it i mean some some of my friends in northeast ohio love it i i'm not into it at all ohio gerrymandered maps so so the congressional maps for Ohio, okay, let me just take this back. Just put everybody on the same page. 2022, the election from there, we had, uh, you know, after the census, every 10 years you have the census, and then you have, um, you have to redistrict in every state across the United States. So you draw new districts for your congressional representation in Washington, and also your state representation at the state house. And so the last year's maps, the first year after the census, the, the maps that were supposed to be for 10 years, because they draw maps for 10 years until the next census, was unconstitutional because back, um, I think six years ago, Ohio passed a, a amendment, or what was it, a, what would you call it? It's not an amendment. Statute? Whatever. They passed some, the, the citizens of Ohio passed in the election that they want to have fair districts. And by looking at the criteria, these were not fair districts. And so they were deemed unconstitutional and they were only supposed to last for two years. And we're supposed to draw again this year. Well, there's a couple of lawsuits that were being um, brought up to the Supreme Court from the legal women voters and so on and so forth. And they, and they dropped those lawsuits. And so the Supreme Court just said, hey, you know what? Since, because another statute was, is if both um, parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, didn't agree on the maps, then the maps were only stand for four years. And so they just said, hey, we're just gonna use these maps over again. So the same maps that we ran on two years ago are being ran, we're gonna run on again this, this time in 2024. 
um, which is which right now the Republican Democrat split in Ohio is 10 Republicans and five Democrats representation. And that was and that was because the Democrats held one seat, which was Ohio's ninth district, Marcy Captor, and picked up two more seats, which was Ohio's 13th and Ohio's first district. Um, there was two safe, really leading, really Democrat districts. Um, that was in Columbus, Joyce Beatty, and here in Cleveland, um, Chantel Brown. <clears throat> so it went 10 to 5. I am, this was not on my bingo card, Ross, because I really thought that they were going to redistrict. And I think that that's why Frank LaRose and there's a couple of Republicans that are out there really spouting off their mouth right now saying like, you know what, this is bullshit. Uh, because I think they really wanted to draw the districts again and get that down to like a, a 12-3 or 13-2 um, Republican-Democrat split. So right now, as it sits, more than likely it's still going to be a 10-5 unless maybe uh, Republicans can flip one of the seats, which I don't see which one they could do besides maybe Marcy Kaptur. But Marcy Kaptur is a you know, 40-something-year incumbent. <laughs> Same guys running against her, right? No, it's a different person now. Oh, interesting. And, 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 and actually... Um, actually, there's two people that are from the Republicans that are running in that are actually quite interesting. The first one is in Ohio's in Cincinnati. Um, he's a young guy. I pulled him up the other day. He's a young guy running against a landsman who flipped the seat in Ohio's first district. He's a young guy. He's a person of color. He's um, Republican, big family, um, I think ex-military. And so he looks like he's going to be a... I don't know. I haven't seen him present himself, but by looking at his website, he looks like he's going to be a very interesting um, okay. challenger. And then I, th I can't remember who's running against Marcy Kaptur, but I think it's, it's nothing like the J.R. Mujewski. He's more of a, like See, a- See, I thought he was gonna run again. I, th I just read something yesterday, he's not running, but he's still registered with the FEC. Okay. So I'm not too sure if he is gonna we run or not gonna run. I have no clue. Long story short is I did not have this on my bingo card that uh, the League of Women Voters would drop their lawsuit, that they wouldn't redistrict, and now we're gonna have, we're gonna have a 10-5, which is honestly, I personally think, and everybody's like, oh, we're still running unconstitutional maps. This is the best case scenario for this one, in my opinion, because we have uh, Justice O'Connor, who is the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court. She's starting an initiative to make sure that we get an independent map-making body to draw maps in the future so um, we don't have these unfair maps. And if that happens in 26, then we will have, this whole thing will be, you know, totally different in 2026, which it has to be again. So I think this is the best case scenario. If honestly, if the state house got the opportunity to draw the maps again, there's no way they would have kept it 10-5. Um, and I think that, that uh, this, even though it is still unconstitutional maps and everybody's really butthurt about that, it could be way worse. What do you think, Ross? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think your conclusion is correct. I think that if you let the people that are in charge of, you know, who just put issue one on the ballot, uh, if you let them do more unfair kind of power consolidating things, that's exactly what they'll do. I mean, really, the theoretically, <laughs> I mean, with this issue one thing, and theoretically, if they could, uh, you know, if a group of 50 of them could get in a room and draw the maps, theoretically, they'd probably do 14 Republican and put everybody who's voted Dem in the last five elections, you're all in one district, literally separated out by address or something like that. I, so I these agree. are very right. dishonest, uh, power-hungry people um, that, that lead our state. And I think that 
the residents, a lot of residents are disassociating themselves with both parties, including the Republican Party. I think that's why you saw issue one go down so hard. Um, there was already a lot of yard signs over the past four-ish years about fair maps. People just have the yard sign up. I want fair maps. I want fair maps. And so uh, I think your conclusion is absolutely right. That being said, if you look at the 10-5, um, you know, people who are pissed off about it and, <laughs> and who just think it's disgusting. If you look at the 10 and the five, it is on its face. When you look at it completely ridiculous, you know, the area, the geography of how they draw the 10. Um, so, so I, I do want to, I, I want to push back a little bit, just be an advocate to, for conversation purposes. Um, two points there. Number one is that part of the constitution, um, about how the maps are drawn is looking at who voted for the governor, right? And who voted for, how, how, how Ohio voted for governor and how Ohio voted for president, I think. And if you look at this last election, uh, it was Mike DeWine versus um, Nan Whaley for governor. Nan, Nan Whaley only got like 37% yeah. of the vote. So if you were actually going to, and, and Tim Ryan in the Senate race, he got 45% of the vote. Um, Trump won by eight points in Ohio. So 10-5 on face, if you're looking at the past couple elections, if we're governors, for Senate, and these are statewide races, and president, doesn't seem too off base. I think for the governor one, like you said, like 63-37, I think that's a fair argument. I think Trump, I think Vance, um, I think generally, you know, if you, however else you want to measure it, you know, generally it's about 53, 47, 50. So, you know, it's, and plus, again, you just want accountability and checks and balances. Even if it was that bigger amount, like you said, with um, DeWine versus Nan Whaley, even if it's that bigger amount, the people, again, the people want a political system that works. So they, even if you're a Republican, you want those Republicans who you really don't identify with. I mean, they come from a different class of people than that most people, you want them checked and you want good policy put in place. And so the only way you're gonna do that is if you know, you, they don't have a super majority and, and DeWine has the veto power and all this, you don't want one party rule. Even if you're uh, quote unquote, you know, a lifelong Republican voter, you, know, you really don't want one party rule. We've seen, and there's no better example of this than in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, we don't have any minority group checking the Democrats, and they just do what they want unanimously. We are subject to their rule, and that's the end of the story. You know, that's gonna be a good point. I'm gonna use that as a segue over to RFK, but I'm, but I'm not gonna go there in a minute, but remember what you just said, is that there's no check within Cuyahoga County, because I think that really does go back to the conversation the Democrats are having with the primary challenger to the president and how he's also structuring his campaign moving forward to talk about why he's in the position he is in because the DNC is basically saying, you know what, we're not gonna entertain anybody else going against Joe Biden. But that goes back to my second point about this conversation, gerrymandering, power hungry, and, and that other thing. Um, every party does it. Every party does it. Republicans, if the Republicans have the power here in Ohio, and we keep, we harp on Republicans in Columbus because they are the supermajority right now. But if you were in other states, some other states, the supermajority, if you're like in, uh, you California. know, California, or you know, so on and so forth, or, or in certain cities where it's 100% blue, you know, if you're like Los Angeles or whatever, you, you'd be saying the same thing about the Democrats. 
right? And so this is why I think that um, Justice O'Connor's push to make an independent body make the maps is very important because every party is in their interest, right? So the Democrats are going to work out for the Democrats. And, and honestly, I, I told everybody the same thing. If I was in the Republicans' shoes and I was going to draw the maps, I would do the same thing if I was a Democrat. You know, like there's no reason for the Democrats to give them any, to, to give the other side or to get, to give the Republicans to give the other side or any team to give the other side any fair advantage to try to create, get power because they're not going to do it for you. What you have is you have a zero-sum game. And the zero-sum game is we, eat, we are trying to take all. We're not trying to take democracy. We're not trying to you know, give you a fair shot. We're not trying to give the, the, the other party a chance to even shut. Don't, no. And so the, the systems and the incentives that we have is we have two parties, especially in Ohio, where we allow those parties to negotiate democracy for the people. And obviously, that's going to be at the people's deficit because they're not looking at after the people. They're looking at the party politics. Uh, well said. Well said. I mean, completely agree. I, I think that it is what we need right now. What we need is, you know, we talked last week, we talked about the FBI, CIA, and police. What we need is these supermajority parties, whether you're the Democrats in California and San Francisco or the, you know, or Ohio or whatever. We need these kind of institutions which have just kept accumulating power, you know, to the to the, which is added to the wealth divide in real life, which is added to people being disaffected, people you know, being upset with the system, they're unhappy. We need those two power accumulating groups checked at this point, so. Now, so this is used as a bridge to talk, to, talk about RFK um, and his um, campaign for, to try to win this primary. So he just, you wanna tell us about the video that he just put out the other day? Yeah, I mean, it was a, the way I saw it was it was an advertisement. It was like a minute long, maybe a little bit more. And it was, um, you know, it had touches of Bernie Sanders, you know, not me, us, um, you know, corrupt, corrupt parties. He didn't say oligarchy, but that's a big part of Bernie's message, you know. And then at the end, it was your, you know, it was your typical boilerplate, uh, act blue, run for something. You know, can you chip in? Can you, th this campaign's gonna be powered by uh, average everyday citizens, small dollar donations. Can you just give five, uh, you know, f $5 or $10? And so um, it, was, it was great messaging the first part, and then it was an ask for money on this and the end part. And, um, you know, well, I think you're missing actually the biggest part of the whole ad was the second was the end part wasn't just asking for money. It was asking for money, but it was it was talking about the Democratic Party. And he highlighted yeah. Jamie Harrison and Jamie Harrison was out there saying, uh, giving a speech about how or he was quoted saying he's they're not going to support anybody but Biden. Uh, they were, he looked at the whole Democratic Party, the DNC and, um, in general, and said how the DNC is picking and choosing their candidates to represent you in a democracy and not allowing this democracy to actually happen. So I, th I thought that was the biggest thing uh, I, I took away from the whole thing was that there was a whole 30-second spot in that talking about why we're in the position where we are right now and why you need to be mobilized and why you should care. That, that was the thing that's different from Bernie's stuff. That was the thing that's different from Bernie's stuff. You know, so I, I agree. That was the, the that, that's pretty much everything we just, that's why you segued into it. That's what we just said about Ohio and California. You know, the, the DNC is corrupt and unchecked, you know, and so you can either ride with the DNC 
or you can check the DNC. And he's saying, we're here to provide accountability to the, to the DNC. And I, we need regular people that don't identify with, with the two parties anymore. And so whether you buy, or sell, buy his message or not, you know, I don't necessarily myself, um, that's really good messaging. That's what our problem is. Wait, why, do you, why don't you buy, his, buy in, your, in your words, his messaging? I mean, well, he's, he's saying that the, the, the thumbs are on the scale. He cannot mm-hmm. run in a primary. Shouldn't we be having debates? Shouldn't we be uh, allowing for the campaigns to happen? Isn't this part of democracy? What didn't you agree well, I buy that? that truth. I buy that truth. I don't buy that he'll have the gall uh, or the um, independent kind of fuck the system streak if he is placed into a position of power. So again, Obama campaigned on ending Washingtonian, that's a weird word, Washingtonian uh, corruption, ending <laughs> K Street lobbying, and codifying Roe. He got in, he did none of those things. Trump campaigned on drain the swamp, drain the swamp, drain the swamp. He got in, did none of those things. So. Um, I don't know what he's actually proposing. I didn't hear him say, we're going to get money out of politics. We're going to do term limits. I don't really know what he's proposing. He's hitting notes. He's playing the tunes, as you like to say, with the populist crowd. He's trying to drum up populism. And so I don't really know that he's saying, hey, I, I, I want to be different than Joe Biden. He may just want to be in you know, a position of power like Obama, the Clintons, Biden, uh, the Bush family. That may just be where he's trying to get to. You know, he, I don't know that he's really trying to bridge the wealth divide or bring crime, bring crime numbers down, things like this. Give you pro-choice. You know, I don't really know what he's talking but he says, we've got to stop the military industrial complex. We've got to stop big media. We've got to stop big pharma. I love all that. I, I love all that. I agree with that. I do buy that, if you will. I was in air quotes. Um, I just don't know what he's proposing. And then if he had the gall, if he really won the, the presidential election, if he had the gall to somehow affect change. I think that, that look, it- it's kind of like we were talking about the Cleveland Browns earlier. In 44 years of watching the Browns, we've never been to a Super Bowl, and I've, never, and I've been disappointed in the team. I mean, look, you don't have to win a Super Bowl to, for me to be happy about the team. Just at least achieve something. Look like you're trying to achieve something. And sometimes like just, the Indians' guardians have done. Didn't, didn't, the, didn't the, the Browns like have the longest losing streak on record? Like, uh, well, we went 0-16 one year, but Detroit's did that as well. <laughs> yeah, we went a whole year without a win, and I, they threw a parade downtown. Well, I, I think actually <laughs> after that, we, did, we also went like seven games after that. So okay. it, was like, it was like 23 straight losses. I or, don't know if it's the longest one in NFL history. but yeah, Anyway, maybe, long yeah. story short, it's like we, were, we look at it like, are you even trying? And I think that's what we kind of have in when it comes to um, uh, politics as well. It's like, okay, you guys say good stuff. We always get hyped, you know, during the election cycle. Same thing as, you know, this uh, NFL season starting on Sunday, or actually already started, but for the Browns, it's starting on Sunday. We're excited. This is our year, but we haven't seen anybody produce. And so I understand what you're saying. It's like, okay, are you coming into the game to, to really fucking play, or are you coming in just to say the bullshit, and then you're going to lose, lose 16 in a row? Right. And, and, I think that's, and I think that's kind of like our jadedness of the system. I'm waiting for somebody to come in here and try to, try to do that change. However... I really wish somebody came out, and I, you know what? I really wish somebody would come out and just really tell it like it is. And I hate that word. It really says, I sound so stupid. Tell it like it is. But would really come out and like. I don't think it's stupid. 
Well, I, I just don't like it because it's like... It's a cliche. It's a cliche. Yeah. It's, it's like a, yeah, it's an ism at this point. But tell it like it is about what's happening in Washington because there are people that went in there to be, um, you know, uh, winds of change that got beaten down. AOC, I think, is a prime example of, of somebody who came, came in there. You're like, oh, wow, young, really opinionated, you know, um, one, one, in a, one in very big in her uh, against an incumbent. Thought you were going to have uh, somebody that's going to be at least somebody of change. And I think she just established them anymore. Oh, it's two years later. She's behind Pelosi and not fighting for Medicare for all. Two years later. Right, right. Yeah. Whatever happened to this, uh, all her ideas right. and so on and so forth. And so I... Who, who, what happens? That's, that's, what happens when you walk through that door? That's, um, and, I, and I don't want to tangent off into this because I know we've got this in future weeks and you've got a podcast and stuff, but that's what this week I've been ranting against some of our Cleveland leaders because they campaigned on this participatory budgeting thing and now 18 months later, maybe not, maybe 15 months later, they're, they flipped. You know, they flipped and they're all against it. Whereas when you were new, when you were bold, when you were visionary, when you were transcendent, you know, and it was you were fresh, and you were fighting, you were agitating and fighting for change, you were campaigning for it, it's not even 15 minutes later, 15 months later, just like Joe Manchin in the abortion bill, I can't support it the way it's written. I can't support it. It's like, well, that's not really why people gave you those adjectives of a change agent or bold or, you know what I mean? Like why, you know, it's easy to campaign. Like when you're RFK, it's easy. And Vivek, it's very easy right now to say, uh, too much money is going to the Pentagon, you know, military industrial complex, big pharma. It's very easy to say those things, but, you know, Trump, Trump said that stuff. I mean, how are you going to deliver change if I vote for you and we vote for you in? It's very hard. And, you're, and your mind gets flipped. Your mind gets flipped once you're in. You know, and I, I think that's a really good, good point of how, you know, people start to change when they're in office. And I don't know, I, I, I really would like to know what happens. It's like, is it a, I'm trying to, so what do you think? Do you think it's a trying to balance uh, the multiple people? When you're campaigning, you have one person to play, play, play the song, songs to. And that's the people who show up at, at the party. And if, you're, if they're showing up at the party, you understand uh, what they want to hear, right? Uh, but it, when, once you get in there, you now have to play the hits, try to play the hits to everybody in the room. And some people like country, some people like Miley, uh, in Miley Cyrus country, or some people like uh, Taylor Swift, some people like Jay-Z. Yeah, your room and your bubble changes. Yeah, so it's like, it's like to be an effective person in, in this spot, maybe you just have to adapt or else you're getting nothing done. Well, or is it that they just are holding on to power and they just want to keep the job? Well, I mean, let's talk about our experiences, right? I mean, for me, I call it the consultant industrial complex. You would just be a little bit more blunt about, about it. These fucking consultants. These fucking consultants. You know, not, they, not, not me, bro. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. never say something like that. Well, none, nonetheless, I think, of sh- I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that watching you know, Mayor Bibb at the time and, and some of these other candidates that were very well-funded, as opposed to me, who I'm not well-funded, I'm just sitting here spouting random ideas and knowing that I love my neighbors unconditionally. Um, these people with consultants behind them, and again, you did not have a lot of support from Democrats. You know, you said, hey, I'm gonna run because it's the right thing to do. Um, when you have a lot of money behind you and these consultants behind you, and I see a lot of this when I, when I see RFK talk, to me, you've kind of been suggested things to say. You've kind of been suggested things to say, it's not you tweeting from your Twitter account, it's, 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 a, 
it's a LLC, you know. And so, um, sure, AOC, whatever. If they say she was a waitress, maybe she was a waitress. Then the next thing you know, you know, she's talking about and you know decreasing the Pentagon budgeting. Well, that's what's popular. People don't want their taxes going to this anymore. I mean, that's what's popular. So if you didn't, if you if you didn't come up with the idea, if you yourself laying in bed, you know, independently of these consultants, didn't come up with the idea to say, I'm fed up with this shit, we gotta change this. If it was in any way implanted in your mind, or like the movie Inception, you know, if you got inceptioned into your campaign slogans, your campaign messaging, hey, I'm for participatory budgeting, that makes sense. If, if, you, if it was the consultants that incepted that into you, then you will stand for nothing. Then it's very easy for a new group of consultants or your peers, the council president, uh, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, then it's very easy for the next group that is hanging out, like we said, your room changes, that is hanging out with you, is spouting their opinions into your head to change the way you look at things. And so that's kind of, from my time campaigning, that's my biggest takeaway is these people have a ton of money thrown into their campaign at the very beginning. Not because they've said, hey, we need to decrease Pentagon funding. No, it's at the very beginning. It's right when you announce, if not before you announce that you're running. You've got a ton of money in your campaign. So that right there kind of, I think, perverts the candidate. And it makes me say, you're not, you're not really grounded in what you're preaching. But you are preaching it, which is good. I think that's a very good point. Um, and it, uh, just to reiterate, cause since we only have what, 12 to 15 people listening to us ramble every week, um, you probably missed a show or not, but the, the consultants, what they do is there is a top-down consultancy and it comes from the uh, DCCC. Um, and the, and DTRIP basically creates the, with the DNC, um, the Democratic National Caucus, uh, messaging for the whole party and they give these messages and this messaging to the consultants that are um, what do I want to say verified or sponsored or endorsed by the party um, and these consultants then go out to the campaigns that they're working with and that that's they could be working with multiple congressional campaigns or congressional state maybe even city um, and they basically just pass that messaging down and Kind of like use it in fundraising emails or tweets or or stump speeches and so on and so forth so the messaging as you said and i'm just talking, telling everybody this is that the messaging usually is cooked up by consultants somewhere and then passed down to candidates and like you said there's suggestions candidates could choose not to say that if they choose not to say that then they're probably not in air quotes viable because they're not playing the game and if they do choose to say that, then there's more things that they have to do to make sure that they get the Democratic support. Um, I do want to correct something that you did say. Uh, you said I didn't get support from Democrats. I didn't get support from uh, from DCCC. Um, well, that's what I meant. But, and, 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 and some of that is my fault because I didn't play the game, um, but and also because of the districts. But I had got a lot of support from Democrats within Ohio. And I just right, wanna... right. No, no. I, what I meant was the top down, yeah, the well, okay. top of the, the of the messaging structure you know like right. you weren't really kind of given your no, I, opinions I, I, no. I mean i was given my opinions i just chose not to not to take okay. it i chose not to take it because i didn't think they were going to win in the in this uh district um and also i just didn't want to be that kind of person um and you follow that messaging but um i just want to correct my it's, like, it's like 
like I didn't put this on the list, but I saw a Sherrod Brown tweet the other day, mm -hmm. and it was, <laughs> and it was like, tr it was like true story. My wife Connie, before I she would let me take her out on a date, said I need to know your voting record. One hundred are you one hundred percent on LGBTQ and reproductive rights? And if I wasn't, it was no date. And I'm like, hmm, this first of all sounds like a lie, sounds like a fake story. And second of all, I remember your campaigns in 2017 and 2011, and it was none of that. It, I mean, when you now, now they say reproductive rights, they used to say abortion. It was his whole thing was about dignity of work and labor rights. And so I'm just like, this sounds convenient for August of 2023 as a Democrat. You know what I mean? Like, it just sounds like a complete fake story, and a fake tweet. Like, you're going to, and it throws into question everything. You know, Biden and Jill Biden and George Bush. And it just, it's just so much uh, fictitious produced bullshit. You know, we've talked about with Trump and these indictments, you know, and, and it, it just really turned me off. It was very, it's like, you're going to let people tell, you know, and when you watch Succession or The Boys or uh, me and my wife start watching this new show, The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston, it's like, man, everything's fucking scripted. Everything's fucking scripted. I got to watch Succession. Everybody's telling me to watch it. Oh yeah. You got to watch Succession. <sighs> I just don't <laughs> want to. Okay. Let me finish Foundation. I might move to Succession. Okay, so good segue actually is um, Biden's approval ratings. Um, interested in Biden Trump alternative? You're not alone. Read this. This is from CNN Politics. You can take it or leave it, CNN. Um, some key lines from CNN's report it was nearly half of registered voters, or 46%. First of all, I hate that line, nearly half. They call it nearly half. 46% is not a win, but whatever. Say that any Republican presidential nominee would be a better choice than Biden. So 46% of the people are saying any Republican is better than Biden at this point. His job approval rating stands at 39%. I don't kind of believe that. 58% say his policies have made economic conditions. Uh, worse in the United States. I believe that. And Renme said that I don't believe his 39% job approval rating. I believe that's going to be low, lower. A smaller share of the public than now says that he has the stamina, sharpness to serve effectively as president. 26% say he has the stamina to serve effectively as president. And that's down six points. Basically, people don't want Biden and we're being shoved Biden down our throat. There's time for an alternative. Is there time for an alternative? They say, ask. The answer is probably no, because um, January is coming up really quick. Biden's approval. Why, why do you think the DNC is, is, is really pushing Biden right now? And the, the biggest theory I heard or the best theory I heard about this is because never has the president stepped away and it not just go straight to the vice president. And people are looking at, at this being a huge identity politics problem with the Democratic Party if you do not back Kamala who is probably is not going to win and doesn't have the ability to go out there on campaign trail and actually pull the numbers to beat any of the candidates on the, on the Republican side. They, they've been riding or dying with Joe Biden for not for 40 or 50 years. So, I mean, it's not going to stop at, in the middle of his, you know, uh, you're allowed two terms of, as a president. You, you know, think it's more, more to do with Biden being a 50 year incumbent in, in some kind of Washington, he is already, you know, he, he, greasing the palms of everybody that needs to be greased. For and sure. So, yeah. He's easily controlled. 
the people that do well, uh, that uh, people that want to do well in the future have done very well under him in the past, right? And so, um, you know, you have this house of cards, you have these 50 states, you have these endorsements, you know, um, they're gonna, they'll go get more new influencers, they'll go get influencers on TikTok. You know, it's a huge money operation, it's a huge influence top-down operation, the media's involved, so they're gonna fight. And I don't think that these people, these interests, Okay, on a social level, they lose probably if, if uh, Trump or, or DeSantis or one of these Republicans win on a social level. But financially, you know, it's win-win it's for, for those people anyway. I mean, so I don't think they're going to just drop Biden unless Biden drops dead. You know, and, and that's... Whoa, they're, bro, whoa. They're going to give people the chance to vote against him. Um, they will continue to slur the RFKs and the Cornell Wests of the world. They'll continue to ignore or silence the Marianne Williamson's of the world uh, and try and do no debates and try and hide Biden from public speaking, things like that. And then we'll see if the House of Cards hold up, but they're not going to go away from him. He's been so good to these interests. Uh, Kamala Harris does not have the approval. If she was Michelle Obama, yes, I think what you're saying is right. I don't think it isn't. I, I mean, I, I think it could, I think you're right. I think the public, many in the public will see it as an identity policy thing. If it's like all of a sudden you don't support the vice president who's a black woman, I think they would if it was Michelle Obama. No, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. It's not because she's a black woman. Yeah. It's because she's Kamala Harris. She's exactly. We're looking at this quite in a nuanced way. There are people that don't be watching political news every day. Don't be watching. Yeah, that, seriously, <laughs> that aren't watching. But it's like, I'm a black woman. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They always support the vice president. They always support the vice president as next up. Al, Bill Clinton, Al Gore. You know, this is how it works. 100%. And so there's going to be people that aren't tuned into politics that see that as a slap in the face and insult. 100%, 100%. And so I, do, I understand what they're doing, um, but at the same time, they're putting up Biden against, I think. And I think this is where you're gonna see, I think this is why you see um, Vivek getting a lot more scrutiny now and being in, going into interviews with a lot more people who like really hammering them on, on things. And they're trying to create a narrative. And here's what I personally think when it comes to Vivek is, is you like him or hate him, I saw after the debate and after his kind of numbers ticked up and he became the number two behind Trump, I saw media go after him bad. And I think that for me, when I see MSNBC, CNN, um, Fox isn't going after him. But when I see these people, these news agencies go after him, uh, New York Times went after him, they are more worried. This is, honestly, this is from the, from the top down. This is DNC top down saying like, we can't have Vivek run against Biden. Trump can run against Biden because Biden already beat Trump and people don't like Trump for, well, a shit ton of reasons, right? I think they're actually scared of, of a vague or somebody with a little bit of gravitas, a little bit of charisma going out there and, uh, and campaign Biden. So wow. they're, they're hitting the number two. I think that they would do the same thing if Nikki Haley was number two. Yeah, same as, I, well, I don't know about I, I, Santos. He's been number two for a long time and there wasn't much scrutiny on him. There was more support I, I, I don't think he ever. institutions. I know he just, he, I, I really just don't think that. Even if, even if he became number two, if he became number two now, that they would, I don't think that they, I don't think it was set yet. I, I think those institutions are really um, detached from the population and it's kind of self-defeating on there. When CNN, MSNBC, Meet the Press, and the New York Times and Washington Post go after a candidate, 
as we saw with Trump for these last six, seven, eight years, it helps that candidate. I mean, it, it helps that candidate. And so, um, sure, it's going to hurt them with your loyal Dems, like loyal, loyal Dems that won't even be voting in the Republican primary. Sure, it makes it like it, they'll show you the worst parts of him, all his um, uh, uh, contradictions of talking about issues over the years, all his misspoken historical facts, and all, they're going to show you all that stuff. And if you're a if you're a, a zealous Dem or you know somebody who just votes blue no matter who, you're just going to hate him more the way you've hated Trump more and more and more and more over the years. So, but amongst the kind of Republican population and the 40, it might, might be, depending on what poll you've seen, 49% of people that uh, feel like they're independent now, it's really gonna help at this point, you know? And so um, I think you're right about, about everything you say about Vivek and the press, um, where we go from here with the, where, you know, primary starting to get upon us is very is very fun and interesting. I wish that the situation in real life for people would get better, but if to read me, I'm still kind of sadistic. I can't wait to see it continue to play out. All right, I think we have one more thing on our uh, list today. It's a very slow Oba. news week, I think. That's why, that's why this is on there. That's why this little thing is on the list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to you touch on the Obama, Tucker Carlson, uh, crack cocaine, gay sex story <laughs> well i didn't watch it so I, I figured you could more explain it better but it's so i didn't watch it but my take on why we're seeing it is is kind of what i just talked about it's a slow news week i don't know why we're seeing it i don't know why we're seeing it that, that so that's my theory is you know tucker is um doing whether it's true or false right i'm not here to be the judge i'm not here to say i know facts uh whether it's true or false right when you go to a grocery store and you see the tabloid newspapers and what's on the front, they are meant to draw your eyes. And while, while George Clooney is having an affair with who, you know, stuff like that. And so to me, this had all the fixings of uh, tabloid headline and story. And again, Tucker's, Tucker and Twitter are trying to engage. They're trying to draw eyeballs, advertising revenue, uh, just creating loyalty of who, uh, hey, I got, I got to get my show watched once a week. If I'm doing a once a week show, you know, people are trying to put good programming on. So, or good, when I say good, I mean addictive or drawing, you know, they're trying to get your eyeballs. It's an attention economy. And so I don't want to, I, it's not that I don't want to get in the meat potatoes of the issue that we could, but all I'm going to say is I don't know. I, it's hearsay. I don't know. Or it's actually, it, theoretically, it's not hearsay, but I just am not willing to believe that guest, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know what's true, but I, why we're seeing it, I think, is because this is where Tucker Carlson and Twitter are going. They want your eyeballs. They will find as salacious of a story as they can, and that's why we're we saw it this week, and we're talking about it now. Well, really quick, before we get into it, uh, let's just summarize the story, um, is that some guy back in 90, I think it's six, seven, eight, something like that, 99, um, when uh, Barack Obama was in the state house, says that he did coke or in Obama smoked crack with him and they had sex, um, which, you know, and uh, it is, he is saying that Obama, this was a, a thing for Obama at the time. He, this was kind of like Obama's lifestyle. Um, again, I'm, and the reason why I think that this is interesting is, yeah, I think there's two things. Number one is what you said. 
what are we doing where this is the forefront of the news media and how this is being dragged around like it's almost factual at the point and we're creating this we're creating it's not even fake news anymore we're creating such a doubt in everything that we don't it's not that we even know what to believe we are willing to believe anything at the same time um, because because of these amplifications of these stories first of all the guy the guy who alleged this is uh, somebody who has been convicted of fraud, larceny, um, and many other crimes. So he has an extensive criminal record. Um, and so to believe him, especially since fraud is on there, is, is kind of- Be careful, it, be careful. It's not even be careful. It's like, you, 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 we need to have the, it's the burden of proof at this point before I even open my ears. I think the, the first one is like you said, why is this even happening on Twitter, on X with Tucker and so on and so forth and what is their goal? The second one is, is I think that from the Democratic Party um, and some people in the Democratic Party, I, I think that even if this does come out, the kind of like what you said, back going back to like AOC, going back to like what is your core beliefs, going back to your uh, consultancy class, the Democratic Party believes in a couple of things. Number one is equality, in my opinion. Um, don't worry about your eyes, uh, what you call it. But this is this is. But, but they say they believe in. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is you they say say they believe in equality. They they very, they support the LGBTQIA uh, plus community, and we believe in democracy, right? And if I think that th when these things happen, this is the time to say how much do you for, do you believe in it, and is it a foundation of my belief? And so what I did not see across the board, and this is my position on it, is if Obama was having gay sex, who cares? Oh, of course. We, who cares? It, it's, it's not a story because I, I, one thing I did not see in the media enough uh, from any, anybody who supports the LGBTQ community or the Democrats in general, and I think they're just tuning this out, but people who are coming on it, there's a lot of, oh, he's, he's not gay or blah, blah. It's like, who cares? Right. That's, I think that should be the, the, the whole thing. You do you. Who cares? You, you do you. You, do you. you love who you love. Yep. This is the point of what we're doing here, right? And so if you can't actually defend people like that without some prerequisites or without, you know, even if that may be historically another way, then I think that we kind of lost the foundation and the foundation might be just a little, a little fluff right now. You support it no matter what, no matter right. who. And if that even is the case, and even if Obama came out tomorrow, great. Right. I'm feeling it, bro. You do you. Yes. Hope your marriage is fine. Hope your kids are fine. You do you, you know? And so I, that's what I really want to focus on right now is it's like, they turned that into a salacious story, like you said. A headline grabber and getting people to their base instincts, uh, especially a lot of Republican Obama hate, you know, bring out the hate, let it like a Star Wars thing, let the hate flow, uh, things like that on these Obama haters, but, um, which is sad. But, you know, what you just said, uh, you know, really hits home with me because for years I've seen people say that the Democrats identify with Black Lives Matter. And for years I've been like, do you not know what's going on with the, the for-profit prison industrial complex and the 94 crime bill and things like this? And it's like to put both a Biden yard sign and a Black Lives Matter yard sign in your yard is like, you're just drinking too much of the Kool-Aid there. You're just drinking too much of the Kool-Aid. So, you know, 
That's all. There's the chili. <laughs> but no, you're you're exactly right. Like, whoa, whoa, you should be standing up for what you say that you fight for for all these last bunch of campaigns and all your messaging that you. And so for me, uh, and, and here's another example of that. Right now, finally, pro-choice is on the ballot in Ohio. Finally, right? The people can decide on it. Issue now, it's the new issue one. And in Cleveland, you got all these Democrats. Remember, we said it's all unanimous Democrats. That's what you got to be to win in Cleveland. Democrats, y'all, for the last ten to forty years, have been campaigning on pro-choice, uh, my body, my choice. You've been saying that that matters to you, and yet. In Cleveland, the, the, the empowered Democrats in Cleveland, the council president, the mayor, they're spending their time campaigning against uh, this thing that, that I helped the group get on the ballot to participate. I was like, wait a minute, but for 40 years, you've been about pro-choice and it's on the ballot. It's issue one, it ain't issue 38. It ain't some small, this is like what you've been telling people, how you've been showing them that they identify with you this is what, you know, and it's like, I didn't hear no support so far from local Democrats on issue one. I share against this little Cleveland tangential thing. And so I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think that, whoa, 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 you can't say that you're the party for the LGBTQIA plus community and then not just be like, you do you, you know, your rights. Hey, if you want to be in the closet, if you want to come out of the closet, blah, blah, blah. If anything, you should be saying, well, why weren't you, why wasn't Obama fervently for gay marriage, you know, before Biden and some of these other Democrats, you know? So there's just a lot of contradictions and hypocrisy from the empower group. That, and so I think that's the part of what you said that really hit home for me. Well, I appreciate that, man. And, and that's what I kind of feel like with, um, I believe in democracy. You know, I believe that people have the right to choose and go out and vote and we get the information. And that's part of, you know, First Amendment, you know, um, as well. And that's another baseline. We just spoke about this with RFK. And I don't care if you think RFK is a nut job and a conspiracy theorist and, or, or, or a conspiracy guy. Who gives a shit? The fact is, does the Democratic Party believe in democracy? And you cannot champion democracy unless you role model democracy. If that is your foundation, just like uh, pro-choice, just like LGBTQ, just like any of those things, if you ever waver from that, then it's not your fucking foundation. And, and so that's what I kind of, and again, just going back to the Obama thing, that's what I kind of saw. The first thing that struck me is, it, it, for that was like, hey, Hey, this seems like very anti-LGBTQ. Right, right. Saying because you're demonizing, like, no, no. you do you. Yeah. This, you're an His adult. Life, it, now, were you an adult, dude? Yes. Were you an adult? Cool. Then you do you. Right. Like, if anything, you should say, yeah, you could focus on. Well, I think doing drugs was a crime. Do you get charged with a misdemeanor? But it was never a crime in 1999 to be gay. That's never a crime, and it shouldn't be a crime going forward. And if you say you fight for people who want to live their own personal life, have their own sex life the way they want to do it, then you should just be defending that. You know what I mean? But you're quiet. I hear crickets. And so that's another good example about the election process. And, you know, I've spoken to that about what they're doing in Ukraine. They say, oh, during the war, we can't have a, elect a presidential election. During the war, of course you could, if you really wanted to. If he was polling better, you would have the election. You know? <laughs> and so <laughs> that's just another good hypocrisy. Thank God you brought that up. That's a great example. Great example. I just also want to, before we end, I want to go on the record and say that I'm, I am not for uh, participatory budgeting. 
I know you're not, and you're going to do... <laughs> what, what day is your interview? So are you still doing that? Uh, the 13th. Okay, So next cool. week. Cool, cool, yeah. Next, I, next week we talk to two people on both sides of it. I'm going right. to put that out and, as a podcast. And, and while I'm for participatory budgeting, I think there's a scope or a magnitude of, of what matters most. And I think if you're in Ohio, I think issue one and marijuana... But, and again, Cleveland's, a, a, in comparison to the state of Ohio, a very small municipality right. compared to the whole state of Ohio. Right. I think that pro-choice and marijuana issues are far more significant, far, far, on a much bigger scale, far more significant. And so, you know, we want to have our magnitude of, of issues correct as well, what we, what we blow air into. Well, I also want to be uh, open to changing my mind about participatory budgeting. So I, even though right now I am... Um, uh, not for the whole thing. I, I will go in there open-minded and yeah. hear both sides. And if uh, Molly could come on, I can't remember her last name. Molly Mar Martin. Molly Martin. If Molly Martin comes on and, and convinces me otherwise, I'll be happy to say, yeah, you know what? She got a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. But as of right now, probably not. Fair enough. You, that's democracy, right? You get to vote whichever way you like on these issues. Well, how are you for the, and this is, how are you for the marijuana um, legislation so i haven't read it i from what i understand it allow you to grow six marijuana plants uh either way per, without, per individual in the per adult in your household and up to 12 so you can have 12 plants if you're married oh okay so uh uh we talked about this on a previous podcast i'm not um a, a marijuana grower or a doer but i'm for legalizing this and opening you don't up, do weed i don't do weed yeah but um I'm not against it. A lot of my friends do it, right? Right. Um, I'm so, not against it either. No, absolutely yeah. not. So uh, I'm all for legalizing. I've been for legalizing this since I can start remember coming up with coherent thoughts. Like I might have been like 15, and I like I've been for legalizing this for. No, a 15 year old that wants to legalize marijuana, forever. get out of here. I've get been out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm not. I know I'm not alone on that. I know I'm not alone on that issue. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've been for legalizing this. So I'm sure the opponents will say, "Well, we're for." Dewine's like, "This isn't your grandparents' marijuana." Just like in uh, Cleveland, participatory budgeting or mansion with abortion, but not the way it's written. I'm for it, but not the way it's written. No, ha have some fucking guts. Accept change. Be willing to change what people want to change. You know, just live with the technicalities. I'm for it 100% all the way strongly. I have caveats. I have talked, I think I spoke about this, but I want to touch on it because you, we brought up marijuana in this discussion today um, and the legislation. I am for legalizing it. I'm for you, you being able to smoke. I remember what you said on this, and it was a very valid point. Go, bro, smoke at home. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm down with it. Here's why I hate, and I've been to New York City, I've been to uh, Los Angeles, I've Denver. been to Denver, I've been to so many places that legalized it, and you just see people walking around smoking it all the damn time. I don't want to smell your fucking weed. I don't want to smell it when I'm driving down the ro road in the car, coming out of your car because you're baking out your car. What the fuck irresponsible shit is that? And it almost makes me want to call 911 and be like, bro, there's blazing out on their car. That's ridiculous. Don't tell me you could drive better smoking weed. You can't, you know? Um, I don't want to be walking down the sand in a, in a crosswalk, smelling your weed, getting the contact buzz. I don't want to, because I, I, I don't really like the smell of weed. Right, right. I, I'm feeling that, that you want to smoke, you know, fine. You know, get high. I don't give a shit. You know, eat your gummies. I don't care. Right. Do it on your own. Don't do it in public. And I think that's, that's number one. And number two is advertisements. Like, I don't want to see advertisements all over the place. You go to the places like weed advertisements or dispensary advertisements all the damn, all over the place. And mm -hmm. I'm, it's like, I think that's one of the things that, that I, we have made alcohol so damn sexy. It is not the way it should be. We're done. Yeah, more issues leading up to November.